How y'all doing? Pretty good. Got big plans for tomorrow? Sleep late, go play golf, anything? What are we going to do, Wendy? I don't know. Watch the Cowboys. When is that? Yeah. So uh, my name is Doug, Pastor Doug, Reverend Doug, Dougie, call me whatever you want. Um, it's a privilege to be up in front of you guys reflecting on this notion of change. Ready or not, change is a coming. What do you all think about that really? Do you like it? I like it when Wendy changes. <laughs> I like it at our house. We make a list, and I, I present it to her on Sunday evening, and I say, here's some areas I would like you to change this coming week. And then I... <laughs> no, it's, it's energizing to talk about change. It's a whole other thing to be a part of change, or even this morning we're going to use the phrase frequently an agent of change. Because I feel like to be an agent of change, you have to be a willing participant, right? To be an agent of change doesn't count when I say, hey, you go change this way. It's how about if we change together? And a lot of us are really good at directing other people to change, right? I mean, it's all over politics. It's all over religion. It's all over everything. We all like to tell somebody else how they should change. This morning, we have a great uh, character who is helping open our eyes to the fact that God uses an array of folks to help communicate and achieve God's purposes. So in preparation for that, I'd like to ask you a question. Is there anybody um, that does not qualify to be an agent of change? Is there anybody um, that God would say, no, hard no pass. I don't know. Think on that. The other question is, is are, you, are you willing to be an agent of change? And are you qualified to be an agent of change? And what might those qualifications look like? As I always do, I warn you, don't raise your hand until the end of the sermon, all right? Don't, don't get all enthusiastic and say, oh, me, 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 because it, it's complicated to undo that once you've told God yes. So, if you think back through, um, well, it's true throughout the whole sweep of the Bible, God uses interesting folks to help accomplish God's purposes. Think with me back uh, into the Old Testament a little bit. Abraham and Sarah, not necessarily the poster kids of get up and go. An old man, an old woman, and a lot of complicated issues in their family. God said, I, I got a job for you. Moses, a uh, little, little un unknown fact, he was an introvert, stutterer, uh, hesitated whenever he was put in front of people to get the message across. Uh, remember a couple months ago we talked about Jonah. What was Jonah notorious for? Going the opposite way. When God said, go that east, Jonah said, no, I think the west has prettier sunsets. I'm going, I'm going that way. David, adulterer, co-conspirator in murder. Um, the list goes on and on, right? Flip over to the New Testament. You've got a bunch of stinky fishermen, some carpenters, some shepherds, some has-beens. And God said, you, you're my people. You qualify. 
You know, it's the kind of people that in our world today we overlook or look past or instantly disqualify because of their history or their, uh, have you seen their Facebook? Have you seen their social media? Have you seen what they did or where they've been or who they hang out with? So we assume that they're not qualified. I mean, we're not real quick to hold up our hand, but we certainly think God should not pick them, right? So this morning, I want you to turn with me, chapter 2 of the book of Joshua. We're going to talk about Rahab, woman of the night, prostitute. I tried to so. Like at the 8.30 crowd, we're, we're a very mature group. And by that, I mean we're all usually over 60. And so I was pretty confident in talking about a prostitute. And then I looked up, and David and Pam Taylor had their three little grandkids sitting right here like, don't, don't, don't. And I had a little bit of like pastor stutter, and I was trying to, how do I dress that up? And I, I didn't. I just sailed on through it, and he came up to me afterwards, as only David Taylor could, and said, hey, Thanks for the uh, learning opportunity. <laughs> My little one already said to me, Daddy, what, um, Grandpa, what's a prostitute? I said, well, I think you can get off on technicality because that's not what we're talking about. Rahab, Rahab, Rahab. So let me just set the stage and then I'm going to read the story to you. But Rahab, um, back up. Joshua sent two spies into Jericho. Because why? Because Jericho sat in the way of the exiles crossing the Jordan and into and claiming the promised land. Jericho, this big fortress town, big fortress town full of all sorts of folks who worshiped and practiced all sorts of uh, bad, wrong, no good, healthy things. If you want to read about that, flip over to uh, Leviticus this afternoon. So Joshua, being a very cunning, calculated kind of uh, person said, hey, I need some spies to go in there and check out what's going on. So, um, interestingly, the spies found their way to Rahab's place. Some conjecture that, uh, you know, woman of the night has uh, people coming and going from that establishment, and so two unknown people wouldn't be any big deal. Who knows? That's just preacher talk. So, um, she hides them. She gets word that the king is trying to hunt them down and get them out of town. She hides them, uh, sends the guards who are coming to find them that away, the spies that away, and in the midst of all that is kind of brokering a deal to save her hide and her families because she has heard and knows what is coming and going to befall Jericho. All right, with that said, follow along with me. I think maybe they put it on the big screen. All right. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Hey, some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come only to search out the land. But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, true, the men came to me, but I don't know where they came from and 
When it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for I'm sure you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fjords. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that dread of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan of the Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with me and my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us this land. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, open our ears, open our hearts to hear your word and to let it penetrate our thinking and our living. Amen. Man, that's an interesting story, isn't it? You know, I think a lot of times, um, even we who are kind of uh, practiced Christians, we don't read all the good stuff. I mean, if, if, when, if you told your friends who don't read the Bible, and you said, hey, there's a great story in there about a prostitute who helps to hide these people, they'd be like, no, there's not a prostitute in the Bible. Yeah, go figure. So, what, what's going on here, y'all? What is Rahab is she allowing herself to be an agent of change for who? For God? What kind of, what? If you look at uh, verses, hmm, let's see here, where is it? I guess it's the end of 11. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Many feel like that is um, a faith statement, that Rahab, through that experience, that fear, has surrendered her life to God. We don't know that for sure, but we do know that um, Rahab became an agent of change. I would even say a willing agent of change. If you flip over, um, are you curious about how the story ended? Yes, yes, they said. Josh, this is in Joshua 6. Joshua said to the men who had spied out the land, Go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out of it and all who belong to her as we swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out all her family, and then they burned down the place. Gracie gets to deal with the next part of, Jer of uh, Joshua that's really pretty unseemly. So my question for us this morning, is there anyone beyond God's ability to use? What do you think? Is there anybody beyond God's ability? Is there anybody not eligible? Is there anybody so 
fill in the blank, that they are not eligible for God to go, you know, I got, a, I got something I need you to, I got something I need you to do. In our, in our minds, right, if we were running the show for God, we would say, oh, God, you don't want to use that person, and heaven knows you wouldn't use that person, and my ex is horrible, and my, we would just go on and on and on, wouldn't we? But then we do this funny thing. There's a lot of people we say aren't eligible, but then when God says, hey, but oh, so you've got some time? No, I'm sorry. Gosh, Tuesday, I'm really busy on Tuesday, God. So what's it mean to be eligible to be an agent of change? Do you think you're eligible? Look at the person to your right or left. Of the three of y'all, who's the most eligible? Probably her, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that funny how we do that? I know some great people, God. I can recommend them highly. Available for change. So, not to hurt your feelings, but there's an example I want to use over in uh, New Testament. So, uh, Peter and John, I would say they're probably pretty effective agents of change, wouldn't y'all? I want you to hear how they were described. This is in uh, Acts 4. And they'd been doing miracles and preaching and teaching and doing all this. And then this comes up. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter, they being Pharisees and others who were watching from afar and what was going on. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were just uneducated, ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as being companions of Jesus. Would you fall in either of those categories? We are, I'm thinking y'all are a very educated crowd. Would you say that? Are you ordinary? I notice y'all are hesitating, like you, I, like you think there's a catch or something, right? Are you ordinary people? Yes or no? All right, just wondering. So if you qualify under the category of being an ordinary person, and you already have kind of changed the curve because most all of y'all are in the, what I would call, educated category, you're already, your resume is looking, looking good. So let's, let's think about what is it that would make you and I hesitant to sign up for this job, hesitant to sign up to be an agent of change. Here's just some that I easily thought of. My schedule. I'm really busy. Aren't y'all really busy? I'm really busy. I go to a lot of church meetings, a whole lot of church meetings, and a lot of times I wonder if God is moving in those. But I have heard say that going to meet about feeding the hungry is not the same as feeding the hungry. Have y'all heard that? Gosh. All right. So might have to open my schedule. My other thing is just my circle of acquaintances. I don't hang out with a whole lot of people that need to know God. They already all know God. So I'm just coasting. How about y'all? Do all the people you know know that they are beloved children of God? Again, I say that maybe you need to run around with a different crowd. God, right now I'm not in a good place. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life. I'm in between jobs. 
my marriage is kind of tough, I've got a kid that's all messed up, maybe, maybe use somebody else. What do you say? Or just flat out, God, this is not a good time in my life right now. Call me back. Call back later. Email me, text me. You know, folks, let's be honest, as honest as we can be. We love this idea. We love the notion of being agents and change. And we love the idea of people being changed and understanding and knowing that they are beloved children of God. But when it comes to that intersection of our loving and wanting it and our availability to do it, <laughs> right? I make up that we make it harder than it needs to be. So, um, Wendy's patient with it. It used to drive my kids crazy, but I'm the guy that they base the progressive commercials on. You know what I'm talking about? I don't stand and face everybody in the elevator, but I have done most of the rest of that stuff. One of them, which I believe is actually a good thing, and I don't understand why people laugh at this, I ask people who serve me their name. If you are the waiter or the waitress or the checkout person, I ask you your name, and I want to use your name in a conversation. I don't, y'all are on board with me, right? Oh, that, y'all, that was not affirming in the, in the least. Here's my theory. If you ask me my name and I, we have an exchange, that says to me, you're worth my time and you are a valuable person. How can, I, how can you come and bring me my food and I not care who you are? I, I, don't, I don't get that. That, y'all, is the easiest first step of saying to somebody who's not in your circle, you, you matter. You matter. There are a ton of people in the world who go through their life every day wondering if they matter. Day in and day out. They don't have a conversation with a soul. They don't exchange words with a soul. And if you can just do that little part, and I'm thinking you and I can do that. The other thing is I think we need to broaden our um, sphere of influence. You know, all of your Christian friends are really great, but you need to get some folks who aren't quite that. Go and find yourself in places, in groups, whether it's, I, I'm not even going to say, wherever it is, go there and be a loving, caring person. That is being an agent of change. You don't have to have a huge revival and have a whole bunch of people come down the altar and say, I'm saved to be an agent of change. Let me close with a little story about um, how we as an institution, treat United Methodist Church, uh, are being an agent of change. So for the last couple months, we've been trying to start a support ministry for people going through divorce. Divorce is really hard, just uh, in so many, very, very many ways. And we were having a hard time kind of getting inertia. You know, it's hard to have a group with just a couple of people. It's just, if you've ever been in a group of two or three people, you're like, oh, let's just unplug this, please. Well, so we had a meeting this last Thursday night, and I sent out um, an email, invitations to folks who had said, yeah, I'm interested in that. And um, I'll be honest with you. Okay, this is honest Pastor Doug on this side. I uh, was beginning to be uncaring uh, about it. 
I was like, you know what, if this thing doesn't catch on, we're going to try another route. We're gonna, this isn't happening. God, we need some folks to show up, or this is just, you know, I read the tea leaves wrong. And so, um, first email I get back is from a participant who said, hey, I'm really excited. I can't be there tonight. I'm going out on a date. <laughs> so, there's kind of a mixed response. The group was like, yay. Uh, the other person had a kid, had a homework, had just a ton of stuff, said, you know, I love the idea of the group. It's just not where I'm at right now. I get that. A couple of other folks just didn't respond at all. So come about 6.30, I, the, we meet right over here in 270, and I was like, well, you know, the person that's coming that doesn't know where 270 is, I'll just sit out here in the hallway, and at about 2.45, I mean, no, 6.45, nobody's here, turn out the lights, lock the door, go home. Well, at about uh, 6.30, lady walks up, like, oh, what do you know? And I'm thinking all the while, y'all are going to think so badly of me, I'm thinking all the while how to break it to her that we're probably not going to meet. How do I let her down gently? So we talk, and, and then all of a sudden another lady shows up. All right, well, then that, that, that's blown, right? You can't just cancel it now because Pastor Doug wants to go home. And um, they start meeting, did not know each other, started having a conversation. Lo and behold, they had the world in common. They both found themselves where they were because they had a husband's who were alcoholics and needed community, needed somebody to care about them and talk. So they were just going to town, and, and I'm over here every now and then going, yeah, but y'all, you sure you want to do this tonight? Would, would y'all like to come back on another night when we have, and I'm just, I'm sorry, y'all, I confess this is just bad of me. But I, uh, I was almost ready to say, all righty, good, let's call it a night, about seven. And... Um, this lady walks in, and she had come from the main entrance, and we're way over here. You know, if you're new here and you don't know where you're going, that's a long, that's a long walk. Maybe in this new something, we can get a tram. We need something to help people from way over there. She came around, and I saw her coming, and it wasn't a lady I recognized, and um, she came up and in broken English said, is this the divorce group? I said, well, yeah, it is. Have a seat. And uh, if, if God could, and he probably did, that night he went to, like this on the top of my head. I met a friend that night. Her name is Jade. She's a legal immigrant from Peru. She met her American husband when five years ago they were doing internships in Washington, D.C., fell in love, got married, and moved to Dallas. They have a five-year-old and a ten-month-old. Uh, Jade speaks excellent English, but is held back by her immigration status and so forth and so on, and a husband who is an alcoholic who is threatening to take the kids and flee. She hadn't talked to anybody about it. She was ashamed that somehow she had done something wrong to have her marriage end. I sat back and kept my Pastor Doug mouth shut and just watched how these three women loved on and cared for each other, wiped each other's tears, and promised Jade that they would be there for her. What I haven't 
told you yet is that Jade came all the way from the edge of Garland and Saxe here looking for help. And we were like, we're so glad that you are here, but you have come so terribly far. We can help you find another group. And she goes, no, I know you now. I know you now. Our God is an amazing God who uses us sometimes in spite of the pastor's schedule to help change lives. Please join me in learning from my lesson to be more available. Will you do that? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you that you love us in spite of our own self-consumption, that you put up with our missteps because your plans are always so much better than our plans. God, I pray for my friend Jade today and her two little ones that she can find help and support and perhaps we can be the place that she finds that. In your name we all pray. Amen.